The Lord has put patience on my heart this month. <laughs> Last week we talked about uh, developing patience. And today, that's how some of our spirits look to God when he tells us, just wait, just wait. And you're just like, you, we can't wait. And so today I just want to talk about patiently waiting. You know, one of the most challenging things that we do in life is to wait, is to have to wait. Right? Especially when we're waiting on God. Some of us right now, we're waiting on, on something to happen from God. We're waiting. You probably prayed for something, and right now you're wondering, like, what's, God, what's taking so long? Right? Do you, are, do you, are you listening to me? Do you even care? You may have prayed for your, your marriage to be restored or for your child to, to turn around. You know, you may have prayed for a better job, better finances, so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. You may have prayed for a family member to turn to life, give their lives to Christ. You may have prayed for healing in your body. But it seems like the more you pray, the less you see. And you're having faith for something, like you're believing for something, but there's, but there's no word from God. And, 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 and there's no sign, there's no sign that, that he heard you. There's no sign that he's doing anything. There's no sign that he even cares. And all you want is just some kind of answer, anything. Like, give me a sign, God, anything. Like, what is God doing while we're waiting? It seems like when we wait, there's nothing happening. It's like, it's like watching grass grow, right? But here's what we should understand about God while we wait. Is that God is always crafting chapter after chapter, putting all the people in all the right places to create this amazing story of your life. He's more invested in the details of your life than you are. He's, 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 he's never doing nothing. He's God. Waiting can leave us frustrated. It can, it can cause anxiety about our situations. It can leave us feeling defeated, wanting to give up and wanting to quit. But it doesn't have to be that way. Patiently waiting, when we patiently wait, it just means that we're waiting with hope and expectations that God is going to do something amazing today. You're waking up every day with this expectation that God is going to do something amazing in your life. And while you're doing that, you are staying connected and bound to Jesus. Amen? Waiting, waiting isn't this passive experience. It's an active journey. It's something, something's always happening in the wait. There's, there's deeper relationships happening when you wait. There's, there's this trust being established when you wait. It may not be evident on the outside, but there's always something happening inward while we're waiting for God. So today I want to look at the benefits of patiently waiting. And we're going to go to Psalm 40, 1 through 3. This is a psalm of, from David. And we don't really know what David was going through when he wrote this psalm. Um, it could have been a number of things. David had a bunch. He was being chased by uh, the, you know, the envious king Saul at once. He was, he was hiding from his rebellious son Absalom at once. Uh, the adultery with Bathsheba, the murder of her husband Uriah. He could have been going through a number of things. But Psalm 40, 1 through 3 says, 
I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. I love this passage because it establishes and gives us some benefits of trusting God. But this, in this passage, this isn't just any kind of trust. This is, this is a trust of patiently waiting. And, and waiting patiently is a different kind of, of, of wait. Some of us think that because we've been sitting around waiting and time has passed, and because time has passed, then we've waited. But the wait in the Bible here is talking about what it means is, is it means that we don't stop doing what we're responsible for doing. Instead, we have expectations that God is going to do his part. We stay connected to Jesus. We pray without ceasing. We stay in the word of God. It means that, that we don't backslide. We don't go back to doing what we were doing before just because we don't see results right now from God. They say that, 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 that he may not come when you want him to, but he's always right on time. Amen. That's because, it's because God's provision for us is, is already set in place, but, but we just need to get to the time and place that it's set for. We can't get there too early. You, you, we can't rush God. We can't get there too late. Don't, 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 don't delay it. If we patiently wait on God, he will make sure that you get there right on time. So whatever it is that God's got you waiting for, be confident that there's benefits in the wait. So let's look at the benefits of patiently waiting. David says in Psalm 41, it says that I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. David is saying that I waited patiently for the Lord. I purposed in my heart with an expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do in my life. So our first spiritual benefit of patiently waiting is that, is that God, the, the maker in heaven of earth, the ruler of the universe, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says that he inclines and hears. Now the word incline means that he feels, he feels favorably towards. Feels favorably towards. And the Hebrew word is nata. Nata. That means stretch out or extend. And so what he's saying here is that when you cry out to God, he turns your way and he's bending over to hear your plea. I don't know if any... I don't know if you get the magnitude of that. I don't know if you get the magnitude of that. That, that the great I am, when you cry out, he, 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 he turns in your direction. He turns in your direction and he leans over to hear your cry. 
When, when, when Pastor Michelle and I go down to Columbus, our granddaughter, Gigi, we love her. She gets all the love in the world, and, and, and we spend all the time we can with her. And, 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 you know, there's times, though, where we have to, we have to get away, you know what I mean? We have to get away, whether we're out or doing dishes or, or we're cleaning up after or whatever we're doing, um, we have to break away for a minute. But, but the moment that she says, pop, pop, it causes me to stop and turn to her and kneel down to hear what she has to say. There never, there's never been a time, nor will there ever be a time, that I don't hear pop-pop, that I don't stop, turn to her, and incline to her. The creator of the universe is coming. He's inclining to you to hear your cry. There's something, there's something just magnificent about that. He's leaning down, he's inclining to hear your urgent prayer. Just when you thought he forgot about you. Yeah, just when you thought that, that, that he had forsaken you. Just when he thought you thought that he had missed you. David is saying because you waited on him, you stuck with him, you didn't walk away, you stayed connected to Jesus. He is leaning in to your direction to hear your cry. He didn't have to, but he did. When, when the king is on the throne, the king doesn't get up and go to people. People come to the king. But our king, the king of kings, the lord of lords, hears your cry, and he comes to see. He gets up off the throne, and he leads into you. He leads in to hear what you have to say. He is a mighty God. Amen? And the word cry there, it, we're crying and talking about our emotions and our boohooing, okay? God doesn't respond to our emotions because our emotions are tainted by our own sin nature. What he's talking about is he's, he's talking about an appeal to heaven that aligns with the word and the will of God. Because he, he, God desires to reveal himself to us. He desires it. He wants us to know his true character. He wants us to know his nature. But a lot of us will allow our emotions to call the shots. And when we allow our emotions to call the shots, our emotions just drive us to jump ahead of what God is trying to do. But God moves when the time is right. You, we, you won't rush him. He moves when the time is right. He won't move until everything is lined up, until everybody is in their right positions, everything's in order. Right now, while you're sitting in these pews, he's orchestrating everything right now. Everybody around you, I mean, he's moving things and shifting things, and, and he's moving this person over here and that person over there, and he's firing that person so he can promote this person who actually favors you and wants to give you a raise. There. There is favor, there's victory and promotion in your wait. You just got to wait. God doesn't want us, he don't want us to settle for mediocrity. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. Our job is just to stay postured with hope and expectation, stay connected to Jesus and cry out with pure hearts, because he will incline to you and hear you. And you got to make it personal. He ain't just inclining. David says he inclined 
to me and heard my cry. This is a personal thing. So your first benefit is that he hears your cry. He inclines and hears you. Our second benefit in the wait is found in the, in the second verse, and it says that he also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. You see, in, in his time, in God's time, he'll bring you up to set you up. He'll bring you up to set you up. Amen? There's times in your life where, where you feel trapped, like you've fallen into a pit. Like you, you, you ever looked around at, at your situation and wondered, like, how in the world did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get in this relationship? How, why am I so broke right now? How did I get here? How did I get addicted? How, I, I'm in, I, how am I in this addiction right now? You feel like you're in a pit so wide that you can't stretch across, so deep that you can't get yourself out of. When you're in a horrible pit, that just means that you're, you're, you're in a dungeon. You're in a prison, in a grave, just a destructive place. The word miry in the text it's from the root word mire, which, which just means swampy or, or muddy or, or stuck. It's, it's like a sticky place. That just means that, that you're in a place that you can't get yourself out of. That you're, you're, you're in this place that, that's beyond the ability for you to do anything about. My daughter's 16th birthday, we, we had it at uh, Above the Bar at, um, in Berea. And it's a gymnastics gym. And they got all the stuff there, you know what I mean? They got the ropes, they got the mats, they got the trampolines and, and the foam pits. Anybody know about these foam pits? Well, I sat back for a while and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't play. <laughs> but eventually, I gave in. Eventually, I gave in. And I, I, was on the, I got on the runway and it was a big trampoline. And, and I took off and I ran and I jumped and I leaped into this foam pit and sunk down. They should put a weight limit <laughs> on foam pits. But I sunk down in this foam pit, and it seemed like every time I tried to push this leg down, I sank deeper. And I would lift myself up, and I would push this leg down, and I would, I would sink deeper. Each time I tried, I tried, and I tried, and I just kept sinking deeper. Before I knew it, the foam pit had, had stole my sock. I'm just telling you what I'm going through. Stole my sock. I pushed up again. My, my, my sweatpants was down by my, by, my, by my knees. I didn't even care what I looked like at that point. I was just, I was tired. I was tired. I was sweaty. I wanted to get out of the phone pit. And eventually, I, I, just, I, I, I just laid back and I just said, I give up. I told everybody I live here now. If y'all could just get my mail forward to here and if somebody could order Uber Eats. This is where I live. And eventually I opened my eyes and I looked up and our friend Obi 
was standing there over top of me, leaned over with his hand like this. And I, and I just reached up and grabbed his hand and he pulled me up out of that pit and set me on the ground. Some of us are, are in horrible pits right now and we keep trying to do what we can do to get ourselves out of the pit and it just makes it worse. But God is just saying, if you will just, just stop, just wait. I, I know the plans that I have for you, and they're good. I just need you to quit moving around so much. Quit moving around so much. Stop, stop looking at that thing over there and this thing over here and thinking that she's prettier than she really is. I need you to stop what you're doing. Look up. Because what I'll do is I'll bring you up out of that thing, and I'll set your feet up on a rock and establish your steps. But you got to look up at me. And yeah, I think 2012, 2014, um, I battled with depression and um, I was an uh, uh, alcoholic, is what I was. Um, and, you know, I, I dealt with this thing for two years. I fought it, I fought it. I kept trying to get myself out of it, man. And no matter what I did, I, it just got worse. I figured, well, maybe I'll start drinking earlier and, and, and stop drinking earlier, right? <laughs> that didn't happen. I decided to switch friend groups. You know, they were more jacked up than I was, you know? So I, everything I tried, things just got worse, all right? Everything just got worse until my depression took a left-hand turn, and I began to have suicidal thoughts. And I was going to work one day driving down I-90, trying to figure out which bridge I was going to take. And I heard the Lord say, pull over. And I pulled my car over on 90, and I slapped it in park, and I just said, I need your help. And I felt the spirit of the Lord enter my car. And I'm going to finish that story later, but I feel like God is just wanting, wanting you right now to surrender, to just surrender to him. You, you'll never experience peace. You'll never experience freedom. You'll never experience joy if you don't surrender your will to the will of God. The moment you do it, the moment that you surrender to him, I'm telling you, he'll bring you up out of the pit in the miry clay and set your feet on the right path. He'll change your state from guilt to pardon, from corruption to holiness. He'll give you power over sin and, and the right to walk the way that leads to his kingdom. The moment that you surrender to him. There's strength and there's identity in the weight. The Bible says that those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. When we stand on that cornerstone, it rises, up, it rises us against the world's distractions, the world's difficulties, because we know who's in control, amen? We know that, that when we're standing on that firm foundation, you know, when we're convinced of it, that he is the firm foundation, we find, com we, we find comfort in the weight. Because the relief that we get doesn't come from uh, the problems of the world because we already know that there's more problems on the way. Our relief comes from our enduring hope in Jesus Christ. That means that, that, that we're going to sustain without yielding. 
In other words, we're not going to backslide. We ain't going to get tired of waiting. We ain't going to cuss God out. We ain't going to quit. We ain't going to walk away. We will not get weary. We're just going to sit right here at the feet of Jesus, grateful with expectations that God is going to do something amazing in your mess. Amen. So while we wait patiently, he, he inclines and he hears our cries. He, he brings us up out of a mess. He brings us up out of a pit, out of a horrible pit, and sets our feet upon a rock. Last, what he does is, is, is found in Psalm 43. And it says, he's put a new song in my mouth. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. The last benefit is that he'll give you a new song. He'll give you a new song to sing. David tells us to sing a new song. He's saying that our praise should be fresh and new every day. Because God's mercies are new every single morning. Amen? And he's still, he's still working in the everyday, mundane things of life. The music that we sing here on Sundays, it should carry over throughout our week as an expression or, of, of our joy and our thankfulness to God. Because the God that saved us is still saving us. And what that does is it should give you a new joy that makes us want to make a new melody or sing part of a harmony with other believers as we operate in a unity in him. We should look different to the world. They should notice you coming. You're that person that walks in the room and they, and they say, man, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. And some of us act like we ain't got a song to sing. But let the truth be told. Most of us have been delivered from a horrible pit. Whether you want to admit it or not, we've been delivered from a horrible pit. We've been in situations so bad that we're too embarrassed to testify about it. Anybody ever been in a situation where, where you know that God and only God got you out of it? But it was so bad, it was so, so ugly, so nasty, that you don't even want to let nobody know what God brought you out of. But, but can I tell you that it doesn't matter, your, your song may be ratchet, but, but listen, the song of your song of deliverance is for somebody else, to set somebody else free who might be stuck in the same miry clay that you used to be stuck in. They just needed to know that somebody got out of it. He'll put a new song in your mouth. The same God that got you out of that mess is performing miracles every single day. He's performing miracles every single day. We just need to put on the right lens so we can see him. I had uh, a breakfast. We had breakfast yesterday, and uh, Pastor Clarence told me, he said, uh, 1201 was a miracle. It's a new day. 
It's a new day that you ain't never seen and you never will see again. 1201 was a miracle. The sun rising and setting every day, that's a miracle, y'all. A small seed that blossoms into a tree, that is a miracle. A baby being born today, that's a miracle. Pastor Michelle having an awesome husband, I mean, me having an awesome wife, that's a miracle. My own shadow didn't want to be with me seven years ago. That's a miracle. Listen, the world needs to hear you sing your song. Tell your story about what he's doing for you. Where were you before? Where are you now? People need to hear your unique song. Your song has the potential to lead the one to Jesus. Your song has the potential to open up the heart of the one that does not know Jesus. You see, he's given me a song of rejoicing. He's given me a song of victory. He's given me a song of overcoming that I can start releasing from my mouth. And this song is so good. It's so sweet that it becomes a praise unto God. And it's a, it's a praise that, that reflects my life. It's a praise that reflects how I treat other people. It's a praise in my car. It's a praise at my job. It's a praise in the store. It's a praise everywhere that you go. But, but this praise isn't, the praise isn't just heard. This praise that's in your mouth, it's also, it's felt by other people. The song that's in us, the joy that's in us, the contentment that's in us, that's released upward, is also being expressed outward. Most of you know Pastor Troy and I, we've been buddies since, that's been my good best friend since third grade. And after we graduated, uh, we both kind of went in our own directions. And we bumped into each other about six years after we graduated. And uh, we bumped into each other at a gas station, I don't know. And, and he spoke over my life, and he told me about Moses, and I was like, I don't know what you talk about, man. You know, I had no idea about the Bible. I didn't know, you know, my relationship. I didn't know Jesus from Jesse. You know, it was, I had no idea. And so we went, we went our own separate ways again. Sixteen years later, I found myself on the side of the road saying, I need your help. Three days later, Pastor Troy showed up at my job. I didn't even know the significance of it. Three days after I called out, I need your help, Pastor Troy showed up at my job. And we got back together, and, and he invited me over to his house for a barbecue. And I said, yeah, I'll come. Yeah, sure, I'll come. And I was lying. I wasn't going to come because I didn't want to meet him and a bunch of church people. I, hadn't, I didn't want to do it. And then he sent me a picture of a woman. And I was like, I like barbecue. And so I went over and hugged him, man, and I went and he brought me into the backyard. 
And he, he, there was probably 50 or 75 people there. You, got, you were there. You were there. And, and, and I met all these people, you know, and, and I, was, I was just like, mm, I want to meet y'all. Where's that girl in that picture? And I finally got to go sit with, with Pastor Michelle, and we sat for hours and we talked. And, and I, we did, I didn't leave until about 11 o'clock that night. But when I left, on, in his driveway, I remember going to Pastor Troy, and I, and I said, I don't know what I felt back here, but I like it. And what happened that night was that none of them held back. None of them held back. They all sang this beautiful, this beautiful melody. This, they harmonized perfectly. And it was something I had, never, I had never heard, I had never felt. And, and then I sat down with Pastor Michelle for two hours, and she sang a solo that was captivating. And I knew at that moment that I needed to know who this man was, that she was so in love with the holes with holes in his hands. And at that moment, I surrendered. I surrendered my life to Jesus. And at that moment, he brought me up. Oh, did he set me up. And he, and he placed my feet on solid ground. Listen, people... People are watching you, whether you know it or not. People are watching you, and, and they're wondering if your song is authentic. They're wondering if your song is original, you know, or if you're just a cover band. They want to know if you're writing original lyrics, and that's why it's so important, like David in these psalms, why we keep a faith file, why we write it down. When you, when you write down what the Lord is doing in your life, all you're doing, those are your lyrics right there. That's your original song right there. Those are your lyrics that you can sing to whoever he places in front of you. You got to stay full. You got to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Kayton told me one time, he said, listen, you got to stay full of the Holy Spirit. You got to be a great Christian just to be a good pastor. You have to stay full of the Holy Spirit. When you do that, when you stay full of the Spirit, God puts joy and victory in your heart so you can sing a song that praises him and wins souls to, to Jesus. Amen? That could be to your brother, it could be to your sister, your mother, your father, your cousin, your, your son, your daughter, whoever he puts in front of you at work, you sing your song. Whoever it is he places in front of you is there for a purpose. Amen? I'm going to close. See, none of us like, we don't like waiting because we're interested in the destination. But man, God loves the journey. God loves the journey. He's right in the middle of it all. And the journey, this is where, this is where our faith is developed. This is where hope is created. Dependency on God is strengthened. It's in the journey. It's in the wait. Whenever uh, Pastor Michelle and I, we go on a road trip, 
we're excited about the, the destination. But, but the intimacy and the connection happens along the way. It's, it's, it's in our conversations. It's in our worship. It's in those moments of just laughter and talking about silly things. It's in the moments of silence. That's where all the connection happens. There's good stuff happening in the wait, y'all. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He's transforming you in the wait. That's his purpose, is to transform us into the image and the likeness of his Son. That's the purpose. Because there's plenty of people in the Bible that had to wait. When God gave Abraham his promise, he had to wait 25 years. 25 years to see his promise fulfilled. When Joseph was given his dream, he had to wait 13 years for his purpose. David, the little shepherd boy, knew he was going to be king. 15 years he had to wait to become king. We give up too soon, y'all. We give up way too soon. Perhaps the man whose patience and endurance overshadows all others is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who patiently, patiently waited 30 years to begin his ministry. After ministering perfectly for three years, he waited patiently for God as he hung on a cross, bearing the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. As he bore those sins, as he took on the sins of the world, God turned away. He turned away from him. but he inclined his ear and he heard his son's cry and he brought him up from this horrible pit in miry clay just so he would become the rock of salvation that we could firmly stand on. Listen, it doesn't matter what pit or suffering or shame we may be required to endure. No matter how deeply we sink into this quicksand of destruction, we have his assurance that he'll set our feet back on the rock of salvation and establish our comings and our goings. Amen? He is so worthy to be praised. Come on, stand with me as we pray. Father, we thank you 
We thank you for this miracle of today, God. We promise, Father, that we declare today that as we wait, that we will look at you, Father. We'll look with hope and expectation, God, that you're going to do mighty things in the earth, God. We thank you, Father, that there's no pit of destruction so deep and no miry clay so oppressive that your hand of blessing and encouragement is not able to reach down and grab us out of, raise us up, set us on our feet, set us upon the rock of salvation, God. Help us to wait patiently this week, Lord. Help us to wait patiently for you to act on in our behalf, God. We thank you, God, that you never give up on us, that you never forsake us, but that you're always there, God. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you and not our surroundings, Lord. We bless you and we love you today, King Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. We're going to have some um, altar pastors, altar ministers and pastors come up here to pray with you. If you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart, to be your Lord and your Savior, we want to do that today. If everybody would just bow their heads, close their eyes, and repeat after me, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart transform me. Make me new. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. I declare from this day forward, I'll live for you. I encourage you this week to wait patiently. Wait patiently on the Lord. He is up to something in your life. Amen. I want to thank all of you guys for coming today. My wife and I will be in the back. We would love to meet some of the new people that came in here today. We want to welcome you to the family. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. We love you.